Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to another episode of the Self-Build Plus podcast, where we chat with self-builders, suppliers, and experts about all things home building and renovating in Ireland on both sides of the border. I'm Astrid Matson, your host and the editor of Self-Build Magazine. This episode, we're joined by Richard Sloan of Sonus and Gwen Kenny of Divine Design to talk about how to tackle the bathroom in a new build or in a renovation project. Maybe start with um, kind of giving people an idea how the, the whole process of designing a bathroom goes like usually would it be the architect that would put that on your plans or would you have kind of an interior designer involved with the bathroom supplier be involved at this very early stage at the design stage how do the how are the first steps taken uh would you say Gwen there it depends on the client so sometimes the the architect will design the plans and drop in just a standard layout of a bathroom into it just to give the idea of what's going on other times the architect will get heavily involved and design everything and do out the correct final layouts sometimes the client will get an interior designer involved or an interior architect involved and they'll do it other times the client will do it themselves and the final option is the client will give it to the builder to do because um they they choose to work with him over somebody else so it's really who they choose to work with to get the designs across the line and so how, what's the best method is is there a best method um, well, I would say if you're doing it yourself, do huge amounts of research so you end up getting it right. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the builder doing it. But generally, um, some builders are heavily involved. Other builders, you know, just do what they've done a million times before. So it's quite generic and it might necessarily work for the family. And then where an architect or a designer, interior architect will actually really consider the layout, the use, the space, um, how it's actually going to really be used and give it the best from that. Okay. And um, Richard, how would a, would a bathroom a kind of supplier be involved early on at this stage? Or would you guys come in a bit later usually? Or how would that work? Uh, again, as, uh, def 
to follow on what Gwen has said, it's it's really depending on the client, and it's it's often a collaboration between architects, the client themselves, the builder, the installer, and somebody like Sunnis. So we would have clients coming into the showroom here, for example, to look at product selection, and in some cases they've come in at a very early stage, you know, with a with a blank sheet really, um, and that's very helpful for for us at that stage because what we'll be doing, we'll be trying to stimulate them to think about high level ideas in terms of what they want what's their aspiration from a look and feel point of view i think it's important that you don't probably put all of your uh, reliance into one particular stakeholder because i think a supplier like sunnis will have a lot to contribute your architect or your interior designer would have lots to contribute as well um, and even the builders to be fair from you know based on experience and it depends on how close they are to product selection themselves but everybody will have a view and i suppose if you if you take on board the various stakeholders and the and the, the different elements that they can bring to it um, because say for example when, when we talk to a client you know they may have a, a design requirement or an aspiration and we'll certainly give them advice and we'll focus on the product that will most closely match that but we would really strongly encourage that they always go back then and liaise with the trades themselves and particularly the installer of the bathroom to make sure that the requirements you know are going to be in place from a force fix point of view and that the on-site conditions will suit what they're hoping to achieve so I, I don't see it as being a very linear process i think sometimes you've got to start with the client's dream and aspiration and then we're there to guide them around that piece uh, from a product perspective uh, but you really do need to consult with the trade and installer uh, stakeholders because there's practicalities involved as well and i think when you'd agree that builders will pretty much do whatever you want them to do but they like to know what they have to do and they need to know the size and the dimension so it's often it's a collaboration and, and we've seen clients come into the showroom and sometimes leave with more questions than answers because you know it's not something that you know a regular person will do uh, uh, that often you know you might design a house once in your life you might refurb your bathroom every 10 to 20 years so by the time we meet a client you know most most people are really don't know where to start and they find it quite daunting but they know what they like in terms of the aesthetics and they might have an, an aspiration around a particular type of shower or a freestanding bath so we're, we're looking to try and get the kind of the baseline of things that they like and don't like and then we try and build it from there so then in terms of the the practical decisions that would have to be made let's say you, you get your planning and you have kind of a rough idea of how the bathroom layout's going to be, but before you actually start building and get those construction drawings finalized, there are a few things um, that you do need to decide upon not to be disappointed later on when you find out you can't actually install it because you didn't make provisions for it. Would there be kind of just a basic checklist of what people need to, to decide at this early stage? Yeah, there would be, and I suppose very, very obvious ones to start with would be wall-hung products. Uh, so we're seeing a growing trend in Sunnis for wall-hung toilets, wall-hung furniture. Uh, and, you know, the, the problem for some clients is they make decisions too late in the process and they haven't provided for the first fix requirements. So if you take a wall-hung toilet, for example, the customer will just be really seeing what's on the wall, the finished tiled wall, but in behind that wall, there's a frame and there's plumbing and there's wastes and there's supply and there's all sorts of requirements in order to facilitate that. So our advice to, to, to self-build clients is very much high-level decisions as early in the process as you can. It's not really important to pick the color or the depth of the unit or even the 
width but if you want wall hung furniture you need to make sure that the wall it's going to be positioned on has sufficient supports and grounds built into that wall so it either needs to be a solid wall or it needs to have supports inside the wall to be able to take the weight so it's things like that that you want to have those decisions clearly communicated early so that the trades can can make those necessary provisions and and how about wet rooms um kind of the italian showers as, as some people call them or you know just kind of that open area um it, does that need to be factored in early on or can you just kind of make a last minute decision for that downstairs bathroom to have it um have it turn into a wet room yeah, well, if it's a downstairs bathroom, um, it's obviously going to be on a concrete floor. Um, but you still need to communicate to the installers that gullies need to go in at first fix before tiling, etc. Um, if there's going to be any underfloor heating going into the bathroom, then all that needs to be factored in. Um, for a lot of clients who want that wet room look, and if it's in an upstairs uh, bathroom, um, depending on the floor uh, construction and the material, then tanking would be necessary. And that's a, a liquid membrane that will be painted all over the floors and up the walls and that gives a waterproof seal before any uh, wet room can be installed so yeah absolutely that is something that you know it's not a last minute decision that you can just rock up and expect it to be completed for you have to prepare yeah yeah and then obviously the location of services is i think was mentioned earlier you need to know where your waste pipes are going and that kind of thing how about the choice of tiles um gwen do you have to choose your tiles that early on or are we not necessarily but i would say to you um it's very become very very popular that people are putting niches in showers now um and niches over the baths and that's something like that you'd have to alcove is it or what is correct yeah and that's something you'd have to communicate very early on um as richard mentioned the builders will do anything you want but coming in as most people do at the tiling stage and go and i want a niche here and um, you're kind of cutting it a bit fine if not too late and it'll cost you an awful lot of money to do it and something else to consider at the first phase would be um, provisions for uh, universal design. So if you're putting in grab rails or seats in the shower, anything like that, you should put in grounds at first fix. Or similarly, you mightn't actually do it now, but you might add in hard spots so that those um, uh, fixtures can be put in at a later stage, but the grounds are there for it. So that's another high level decision to be made early on. Okay. And the niches then, it's what is it, a stud wall that has to be built a certain way or how, how are they constructed? It, it can be, yes. It can be a stud if it's a stud wall that's going in they'll just leave a recess into the stud wall and they'll frame it out um if it's going into a block wall similarly they'll recess into it um and if you were building in maybe a toilet with a, a wall hung toilet you you might do the same over the cistern sometimes it's nice to have some niches over there or put them in the bath so that can be done at time of construction of the stud okay dogs and and so then um choosing things like you know tiles uh, the sanitary wares all these kind of decision with the finishes um glass walls and all of that um what kind of is where where's the big cost elements in all of that like where where what are the budget busters um for or can you just bust the budget on all of them i suppose <laughs> i suppose it's how long is a piece of string um and maybe the choice is where do you want to bust the budget you know so do you want the top of the range um you know shower or bath or whatever it is because you're going to use it every day spend the money on a good shower door you know that has that lovely clunk when you close it because you're using it every day are you going to use the bath you know will uh, maybe if you need to cut back on budget is the bath somewhere you can cut back it's the toilet so you know you can 
get products in the Sonus range that that go from, you know, very good value up to very good value, but much more expensive. Um, and so it's where you want to stop along there, but they're all very high quality. So it's more about the looks and the little added extras that cost them more money. And so in terms of kind of the, the, the costs, what's an average bathroom cost if you were to go, I suppose to be low, medium, high spec kind of thing, or is that just, again, how long is a piece of string, but... Well, I suppose, is there a bath? Is there a shower? You know, is there a bath and a shower? Is the, you know, the toilets, all the rest of it. But if you're going kind of um, less expensive, you'll see uh, kind of packets that you can buy for between five and seven thousand, middle of the road, ten up. And um, I mean, I've had a client that's bought a bath that was twenty five thousand. Wow, so, made know, a gold, go I hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, almost. <laughs> um, but you can go as high as you want uh, if, if that's what you so wish to do you know but the other thing is then trade so if it's a refurbishment then you're bringing in you know you'll be taking tiles off the wall you'll probably be replastering you'll be tanking as Richard said you'll be retiling you know you'll have to put on new plasterboard you know there's a lot of kind of that where if it's a new build you're going to have the the trades on site anyway so that actually ends up costing you less sometimes with trades than a refurb would yeah because yeah, uh, and and refurbs takes a lot in terms of coordinating making sure everyone's on site when you need them as well, I suppose, because yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. And now at the moment, it is next to impossible to get trades. Okay. Um, it's really difficult at the moment. So trying to coordinate everybody is, it can be quite difficult for people. So in one sense, they're almost better getting uh, a company or a builder or one person responsible for coordinating everybody. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, so Richard, then how, how are bathroom supplies paid for? How does it work? in terms of paying so it's it's a bit of, it's a chunk of change there that uh, Gwen outlined yeah so I suppose if you take Sonus as an example so we, we, we're the manufacturer and the supplier who I suppose sells the product through the retail network and we, we have a network of over 400 customers across the island of Ireland so when it comes to paying for the bathroom we as a business are invoicing the, the, the shop the retail outlet but for the consumer or the client they will be paying for the goods either directly themselves to the retail outlet or in some cases they may have an agreement with their builder who will supply and fit the material on their behalf um, I suppose from a retailer's perspective I would I would imagine if somebody's you know coming in to order a bathroom they would probably expect some form of a deposit maybe 25 up to 50 percent of the, the value and once the product and the material is supplied they would be looking for the balance of payment before the goods are released uh, if somebody's building a house I'm sure they may go to a local you know builders providers or merchant and maybe set up an account because the local merchant will be very interested in getting, you know, not just the bathrooms, but also all the timber, the slates, all the various construction materials. So in some cases, clients could potentially go and agree a credit account with a local merchant, and then they can just discharge the payment as per the agreement that they reach with the, with the merchant. So it really depends. So Sonus don't get involved in taking the, the money directly from the end user, but we do speak directly to them um, because obviously they're 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 the client, they're the they're the 
the specifier in many cases and we want to help them through that product selection process um, but effectively then we will route that sale through one of our retail customers. So in terms of VAT actually isn't it cheaper would it be cheaper to buy the materials through the tradesman that can charge a lower VAT rate as opposed to buying directly from the merchants or from the VAT? Yeah so the, so the, so the builder will, will pay for the goods and he, he'll pay the, you know, the VAT rate as 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 twenty one percent as it is currently, but when it comes to actually charging the client, <clears throat> there may be an opportunity then for the builder to supply and fit and charge VAT at thirteen and a half percent. So again, that's a conversation for the client to have with their builder. Gwen, you'd be probably familiar with that process as well. Yes, um, a lot, absolutely, and it's exactly what you said. So if it's the supply and fit, it's invoiced in at thirteen and a half, providing the goods cannot be removed from the house. So a good way of thinking about it is thinking of a doll's house, and if you shuck it, um, what would fall out um, is twenty three percent, and whatever doesn't is thirteen and a half. It's like just a rule of thumb. In terms of your practical design tips uh, for en suites, family bathrooms, different uses for the bathrooms, Gwen, do you have some tips for self builders to consider? Absolutely. Um, I would strongly look at who the users are. So user experience for me is a huge big deal. So who's using it and what do they need? And if it's going to be your plan to do it in 10 or 15 or 20 years, how are those users going to change in that time? So everybody wants a bath if they've young babies um, and then they might put in a smaller shower, put in a shower in the bath. And then within two or three years, they're upset about that because they have a tiny shower where they could have put in a bigger one. Sometimes you'll see, we're asking who's responsible for designing bathrooms. Sometimes you'll see really clever um, like dog leg walls where you can have a, a bigger shower in one room and the space from the other room might be a wardrobe that's built in or it could actually be a shower on the other side. So it's really thinking about those things and how it's going to be used. For me, um, in my world anyway, the smallest shower tray I'd recommend is is kind of well very smallest would be a thousand by 900 but average i would prefer to get clients at 1200 by 900 and the amount of plans i see with clients coming with 900 by 900 shower trays and if you get them into sonas and pop them into uh, a shower that small they aren't happy but they don't realize it until it's too late so really look at the size of the tray would be my big thing and then we're all getting taller as well um you know and our our measurements um our anthropologic measurements are built on based on the 1950s so you know over those 70 years they're they're now looking at newer measurements but they're things like comfort height toilets that we offer now and that's a really good thing to look at um, and whether that's what you'd need um as well and then from a layout point of view you know if you're in there at um and you're using your to put on makeup or to shave, you know, maybe you want to demist or behind the mirror, like really look at how you use the space at, at the moment in your existing house and what bothers you about it. You know, so if you're putting on makeup and it's not blended and you're walking out and you're going into a better lit space and all of a sudden you see things you didn't see, then you need to look at lighting. You know, if you've no storage, then you need to sort that. So really look at how you use the space at the moment and what would make it better. And what, what's a comfort height toilet then? Uh, so a comfort high toilet is is something that has a higher uh, 
uh, base. So if you if you look at the height of a standard toilet, uh-huh. from the floor to the to the rim of the pan would measure approximately four hundred millimeters or forty centimeters. Uh, for a comfort height, it would be anything above that. So usually in the range of four hundred and fifty mil or forty five centimeters. So you actually get it's a it's a taller product. So when you actually go to sit down on the pan, it's it's actually easier to to, to get on and off. So um, you may have heard of you know Nana had a chair. You, you know when you were younger and your your Nana had a particular chair yeah. and it wasn't one that was really hard to get up out of because it, it kind of had a, it, it was slightly positioned a, more, more, uh, a taller chair to, to, to get it's up, easier yeah. to get in and get out yeah so a comfort pan if you can kind of think of it from that point mm-hmm. of view uh, would, would replicate that um, it's probably come from you know document M requirements for disabled use as well so anyone that needed to access a disabled toilet the pan is it has a taller height as well so comfort height has now started to become uh, a more common offering in domestic bathrooms and you have the full range of designs available whether they're fully shrouded um, you know the slim seats all the different kind of nice aesthetics that you require but but with a higher, a higher height and it Gwen mentioned the demisters but Richard what else is there in terms of these techie additions that can make your life easier in the bathroom well, yeah, I suppose smart technology is probably the next wave for bathroom design. I suppose as as a the, the the market that we operate in here is probably not as advanced maybe as some other countries, and I suppose Japan is probably one that springs to mind with significant you know smart technology built into toilets. There is a growing demand for that, and it's definitely something that Sunus is looking at for the future. Smart showers is another opportunity that we're currently exploring. Um, what is a smart you know, shower we, apart from like a smart shower? <laughs> is something that it's it it has it, it connects to an application on your phone and you can have predetermined settings uh, linked to your alarm so when you wake up in the morning your alarm goes off it activates the shower and it'll run up to temperature you can have safety parameters built in there for the kids and stuff like that but it's a product that's still yeah. still it in the development like process bit, that's Not, a bit of a gimmick isn't it can't you just turn on the shower and wait for a second for it to get to temperature <laughs> of course you can but hey come here Everybody wants to be connected now to everything. So, yeah. um, so Bluetooth devices in mirrors sometimes for some some audio. Uh, certainly, you know the, the 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 sensor switches on 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 mirrors now with lights. You know, we we just we don't even want to touch a button anymore. We just want to wave our hand to activate. Um, so that's the sort of stuff that we'd be seeing popular. And um, electric underfloor heating—that's one of the things I think people don't necessarily consider. If um, they obviously we do put underfloor in throughout our house these days but mostly in a refurb scenario um is is that something that has to be factored in earlier on and what are kind of the costs involved and the steps involved gwen do you yeah yeah before tiling it would have to be considered um and for electrical supplies in the first fix but it is something that if you kind of thought of just before second fix they could do for you it's not very expensive but it also just takes the chill out of the floor so if generally it's a product something similar to a devi mat and if you are using that solely to heat the space you might end up a bit disappointed um so it's always good to check the btus the british thermal units that are required by the size of your space there's apps you can download load on the phone now and you fill in all the information and it'll tell you the BTUs that you need and then I would generally add on 10% for good measure and <laughs> then ensure that you're getting uh, that from either your heated towel rail and your a Devi mat combined or from a radiator. And and the heated towel rails they they don't always heat. That's right. I've uh, I've noticed. So yeah, it's what's what's the is there a minimum that should be looked out for for that or 
or is it just a combined thing for the entire room? You just look at the the overall what you get. Yeah, over. I think I think it's really important, Astrid, that people don't choose heated towel rails as a single source of heat in their bathroom because they are for heating and warming towels. And it is a common mistake that people might make where, as part of a refurb, they might take out a radiator and put in a, you know a ladder rail, you know, with all the tubes, all the bars on it. But the actual BTU output, as Gwen has referred to, wouldn't be sufficient uh, to to match the needs of the room so in our experience you know the heated towel warmers are a complement and they're there to warm your towels and they bring a nice fashion element and there's a nice aesthetic to the bathroom but they're not the single source of heat so you really need to consult with your installer uh, to make sure that those BTUs are being calculated correctly and that the combined source of heat that you have be it underfloor heating radiators towel warmers that as a com- as a combination you'll have sufficient heat output okay dogs and so all of these things can kind of be added on like even the bluetooth speakers or you know like stuff or even a tv let's say would that that can be a bit of an afterthought you don't really need to make that many provisions for it apart from because you'll have wiring going anyway so Correct. You'd need to think of it from the wiring point of view. So if you were adding in a television or anything like that, or lighting as well as another thing you'd need to think of really at first fix, um, because they're going to tr- put in wires. And if you want, like we have one client, you're talking about the showers coming on. Um, we had one client and the LEDs changed the color on the hour. So if they get up and walk into the bathroom, they know within an hour of what time it is, even though there's a, a clock on the mirror that tells them to. Um, but okay. you, you would need to put in all the wires for that at first fix or, you know, you're you're going to run into things that are going to become more costly and shouldn't be. OK, so because that brings us into the building regulations, because there are some basic requirements in terms of electrics and clearances and things like that. Uh, can you run us through those going? Yes, so you have um, Part M, which is the one that you're all familiar with, which is the minimum kind of sizes for wheelchair accessibility um, and universal accessibility. And that would be kind of usually under the remit of the architect or the interior architect um, or designer to make sure that they're compliant with that. And especially if it's a new build um, and it goes on the size of the property um, as well. So um, the other one, then, uh, as you mentioned, is uh, electricity. So while it's, it's not a building reg, it's an electrical regulation um, and that is there's different zones in a bathroom and each zone I would have really big problems with uh, clients that are not Irish um, arguing that they want sockets in their bathrooms and they cannot understand in their houses in Spain or America or wherever they are they have sockets they dry their hair what's the problem um, but I, anybody who's lived in Ireland knows we've no sockets in our bathrooms but we also have um, zones where the IP ingression protection uh, lighting can only be used in particular zones uh, so you have different IP ratings and you have to correlate them with the zones which are new to the the splash of the water Um, and then you have part f which is ventilation as well so um, there needs to be fans basically in every bathroom even if there's a window Um, but then if you have a heat exchange system that negates it so again there's something there that you need to consider um, at at how you're going to heat the house and whether you're going to be taking the hot air out of the bathroom as part of that or not okay dogs Um, and then in in case let's say we're we're building a house through direct labor that the self-builders hiring all the tradesmen themselves, um, wishing them luck. Apparently, in these current in this current climate, trying to get Absolutely. trades on site. Um, so, what what needs organizing, and what's the sequence of events for that? 
Um, that's a really good question because it is a little bit of a dance. So, you know, you'll have the builder doing maybe block work. Uh, it depends how much um, they're they're chopping it up, if you like. So if you have somebody doing studding and you have somebody else doing the plasterboard and then you might have a plasterer on top of that, um, you know, that's they, they're all the steps. First, initially, you'll also then have your plumbing putting in first fix, your electrician putting in first fix, um, and then you will be moving on to your tiling and then your second fix so you really need to know absolutely every single thing so I would always say start at the finish and then go back to the start so know exactly what you want have it all laid out everything done know exactly where everything is and then divide up who's doing what and in terms of deliveries and storage and things like that would there be um, Richard if you're ordering let's say from a bathroom supplier um, can you specify exactly when you want it delivered and can you delay delivery because they're big bulky items you don't really want them on site to get damaged by anyone so is there is is there flexibility there for self-builders yes of course and i suppose one of the advantages that sunus presents is that we carry all of the material in stock so we have two and a half thousand products in our catalog and they're all stored in our warehouse here in dublin and the client will call off you know first fix items and then they'll call off second fix items so we have the orders lined up allocated against the retailer uh, and then we just wait for the the client to tell us when they're ready and we'll then deliver the products to the retailer and then the retailer will send them on to site so it's it's good practice not to have products sitting around on site as you said yourself where it can get damaged Um, but even though we carry the products in stock you can imagine that at any one time there may be a cohort of product that's not available due to kind of you know sales demand and waiting on new deliveries so it's always good to have these decisions made nice and early have your products secured and allocated um, so that you're not going to have any overruns or delays because of non-fulfillment of orders but you certainly wouldn't call it all off at once and, and leave it sitting around on site so it's generally a first fix process and then the trays will come back maybe do the tiling and then you will do second fix of bathroom equipment and there may even be some third fix then around accessories and finishing touches so then so then it would be flexible enough in terms of saying uh, i ordered for you to deliver uh, in november i actually want you to deliver in march it wouldn't be too big of a deal because things do get delayed on, on self-builds unfortunately <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And again, the, the products that we carry, you know, our, our brochure is updated on an annual basis. Um, but even if we have an order in the system and the product is no longer going to be in the following year's brochure, we will still keep that product on hand. If something was to change, for example, and by the time the client came back and wanted a particular product, if it wasn't available, because the range is so broad, we would have invariably a variant of that product that we could offer. So we'll always find a solution for the client, no matter what happens. And that's that's an issue with tiling. Do you guys do tiling as well or...? No. Sunus uh, bathrooms only provide the bathroom equipment yeah. so I appreciate when it comes to tiling yeah. there can be shading issues yeah. and stuff like yeah. that so yeah, yeah yeah that's something that needs to be considered for sure yeah how, how what provisions would you have to make when would you order like 10% more for how yeah, I would also look at cuts Astrid so if you have a wall you know that's 2.4 meters high and your tile is um say 800 high happy days but if it's not how are you going to cut it and where is it going to go you know so you might end up with say uh, a cut at 700 and that 200 that's left over is waste it's no good and so you need to kind of decide that especially 
because of the shade variations and stuff. So I would always add somewhere between 10 and 15%. But if they're expensive tiles, I would work out the cuts and everything and ensure that I have enough tiles. And then I would still add 10% because inevitably when the tiler's cutting it, if he's left that short, he's always going to crack the one he has or somebody's going to drop something or whatever. So it's always better looking at it than for it. And then um, they can always tile in a, a leftover box into the, the bath, under the bath. So if there's ever a problem and they have to break out the bath, they always have the tiles there ready to, to fix it. Okay. And um, in terms of thicknesses and other tips for, for tiles, is there kind of, or there's some tiles that are harder to, to lay for tilers or as well, I think, isn't there? And there's different costs. If they're larger tiles, don't they charge more or something? Just... Uh, no. It depends on the tiler. Now, you can get tiles as large as 2.4 meters by 1.2 meters. Um, so they're like absolutely astronomical. They're bigger than your arm span and, yeah. you know, they're huge yeah. tiles. Um, but they need to go in at first fix for obvious reasons. Um, and then you'll get smaller ones that are kind of 1.2 by 600. But 10 years ago, they were highly unusual. Now they're kind of standard format. You know, they still do 300 by 600, but they're, you know, they, the tiles have got substantially bigger. What some tilers would charge more for as well is the porcelain tiles because they're harder to cut um than ceramic tiles but they're also much more durable and sometimes you see uh self builders and other clients putting wall tiles on the floor and that's a bit of a disaster so just to ensure that your your tiles on the floor are suitable for a floor and vice versa in terms of putting floor tiles on a wall is that okay yeah, doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. Um, it's the other way yeah. around. But some of the floor tiles would have a high slip rating on them, so they'd be hard to keep. So if it was in a shower and you were kind of getting shampoo or conditioner or whatever on them, um, you might regret that decision as well. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Could I just add to that piece when it comes to selecting, say, shower doors, for example, uh, and you mentioned, you know, different tiles with different thicknesses. Uh, often a client, if they're trying to be, you know, really well prepared, they may they may select the shower tray of a particular size and then they will order the, 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 the shower door that's according to that size. But if they go and, and choose a very thick tile, for example, um, there's an adjustment range for all the shower enclosures if they're going between two walls, I'm talking about. Um, so what's really important before you order a shower door from any supplier or any brand is the finished tile to tile measurement okay so when the when the shower tray goes in the tiles will come down onto the tray and therefore that automatically reduces the the opening 
okay so when you select your shower door from one range to another even within the same brand even within the sunus offering different ranges have different openings and adjustments this is for in the case of going between two walls so often what happens is clients order doors and then the plumber goes and opens it and he goes to install it and then they realize that it's actually too tight it won't fit and they need a different door so always measure tile to tile finish measurements okay dogs and any other tips like that richard in terms of other kind of products or things that people have to be aware of not really that's just one that's quite pertinent to the to the tiles that that you were speaking about but other than that no i think look my advice to, to clients is always to echo what gwen has said start off with what you want work your way back consult the relevant trades uh, and stakeholders along the process and once that planning has been executed well you know you mitigate against most of these issues uh, proper planning w- w- will always be your friend um, and you know things like you know for force fixing another example maybe i might share with you is say free freestanding baths are growing in popularity uh, and sometimes clients will choose a freestanding bath after all the floor tiling has been done but at that stage it's too late for the freestanding bath shower mixer because that will be a first fix item and that has an anchor that goes into the floor before tiling so again it, it all comes back to this piece about setting out early what your finished result almost needs to be and then working your way back and then you know between your installer your designer uh, a supplier like Sonus, we will guide you around what those various time points are as to when you need to have those decisions made. And so how long does the process take for, let's say, we're ta- let's talk about a refurb. Um, if you want to do a bathroom makeover from like the design part and then the construction phase, how long would you be looking at? Well, Gwen, you can answer on the design side, but in terms of actual execution, an average bathroom refurb, depending on how invasive it is, like sometimes it could be just a a cosmetic update. In some cases, you're stripping all the way back and maybe moving wastes. I think a week as a minimum is a good guide to completing a bathroom refurbishment. And that would be taking the advice that Gwen has already shared around having somebody manage that project and managing all of the various trades because you you know you don't just have a plumber you'll have maybe a carpenter there's an electrician there's a tiler you know there's skips to be organized there's rubbish to be taken away so th- th- there's a lot of coordination involved in just doing one bathroom refit so having one single point of contact that's responsible for managing that I think is is probably best advice and um, so from a, a, an implementation point of view of actually taking out the bath the old bathroom putting in the new one you know allow a minimum of a week from a design point of view well hey Gwen you could be all your life dreaming about it and planning it so it really depends on on the on the client's requirements I suppose yeah Gwen in your experience how long does it take to to design like to actually get to something that's a workable plan and um, from from just working on projects um, I suppose it's it's really about trying to f- kind of find out what the client wants at the start. So a good interview for maybe two hours going through their needs and their tastes and things like that. Um, and then if you're redesigning the plans, it's uh, in layouts, it's probably a couple of hours work and then uh, choosing fixtures um, and tiles is probably another couple of hours work. And then if they want a 3D of the whole thing afterwards, you know, that's probably, a, you know, half a day a day, depending on the, the intricacies of it. Oh, yeah, I suppose it depends how focused you are and how clear you are in your in your vision as well as a client. Yeah. 
absolutely yeah. yeah and like pinterest can be an enemy really you know because there's too much there you know that sometimes uh, it's uh, and people follow trends as well and in bathrooms that can be a big mistake um because they become very untrendy very fast you know so if you want a trend driven bathroom i'd highly recommend that you only you know tile half the walls and whatever is on the other wall is your trendy inexpensive item that can be updated every couple of years right okay um i suppose you could use towels and things like that to try to <laughs> go with the trends Absolutely, and try yeah. to use stuff that's not as expensive as but, uh, tiling at, at the moment like there's some tiles going up that look like usb board you know so there are oh, usb really? boards sorry and so yeah yeah i've seen them quite a bit in south builders and they're very trendy but i guarantee you in two years time they're going to become very untrendy and even though people think they'll love them forever you you know if something becomes untrendy and starts to bother you it'll really niggle at you um you know so if you were to do that maybe on the other walls as a vinyl or something at least you can pull it off when you get tired looking at it and change it for something else so i'd highly recommend um picking products and tiles that are you know have longevity in their designs and in terms of of comparing the design process from a, a new build to a refurb what are the the differences or the key things that you have to consider i suppose it depends how much uh, upset people are willing to have so um in my own house i pulled out my stairs um i put a uh, uh, winders on the top of my new stairs took the extra meter into my bathroom and then got a bath and a shower and i also moved all the wastes outside um from the back of the house to the side of the house right but That's commitment. you know so <laughs> That's commitment, yes, but I did it. I probably did it about 10 or 12 years ago. It needs to be redone now. Um, but I have loved that bathroom every single minute of every single day and it makes me happy. So, you know, it was worth doing it. Where if you have somebody who doesn't want to do that, then it's a, a lot, you're, you're tied a lot more to what you can do. Sometimes you can move wastes, other times you can't, you know, so they might not necessarily get the layout. Um, look, the other thing you can do as well, and that's in both new builds and I see it a lot, in, in new builds and in existing builds is move the door. So if you move the entry door into the bathroom, sometimes you can actually pull a whole shower in the space where you've moved the door from and it works a lot better so sometimes i see people and they're they're obsessed especially on new plans by the layout they have you know there's no cost there's no implications to them moving the door um either to the left or the right as they're entering the bathroom but it can or the on-speed but it can really make a good difference to the design and the layout so how long did it take to to do up your own bathroom do you remember what was um probably about two weeks and i, I was saying That's to richard good. there yeah. recently yeah no but i would have had it lined up and i i would do a lot i don't do it anymore but i would have done an awful lot of project management so i would have had it like a military operation you know so and so was in on monday yeah, tuesday yeah. so and so else was in and you know you had, so it was all and you, yeah you had a relationship with them so they they probably prioritize your build as well to a certain extent on their schedule well, not really, but I would have been project managing so many jobs that they would move from one to the other after me. So it would have been just programmed in like another job. And if the truth be told, they probably did mine less <laughs> attentively than they did anybody else's because they're like, when we're stuck, we'll be back tomorrow and they'd run off. But they still got it across the line. But I uh, honestly would not project manage a job in the current situation if I got all the tea in China for doing it. Right. Okay. <laughs> 
because you just I cannot get trades you just can't get them at the moment and I know that sounds very negative and I'm not a negative person but that's the reality I mean I have so many guys ringing me every day looking for somebody for a trade to do something Mm -hmm. And is one of the risks when ownership of a problem, like if you're trying to manage people independently yourself and if yeah. there's where some where maybe two trades will join and meet if there's an issue and both guys maybe blaming it on the other guy and then the client is maybe left in the middle sometimes. So yeah. having somebody with overall responsibility uh, yeah. to support that process, I I've, think is, re- is really good I've one client advice. at the moment. That's really, really good advice. I've one client at the moment and they want to put Amtico flooring in. So it's like a luxury vinyl product on the floor. They want to tile the walls and they want to refurb two bathrooms. And that was exactly what I was trying to do because you could see it um, being a, a leaking issue and who was going to take responsibility if leaks happened on the floor because the join of the tiles and the and the floor so um eventually they got a contractor who's going to do the whole thing so would that's you, the only person i need to call would, would you put a contract in place for for such a small job there should always be a contract in place for everything. It doesn't have to be 10 pages of litigious <laughs> documentation, but there should always be a contract in place to to um, to kind of keep everybody safe and sound. Okay. And yeah, would there be a standard or go ahead, Richard? Yeah, there would yeah. be. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think from my perspective, and as I said, I, I we don't get involved in the direct installation of the product. But just I would I would be aware that there's all sorts of trades out there and there's great guys and there's not so great guys. And I suppose for bathroom installation, um, you know, it's really important. Get 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 somebody that that has references, you know, look for, you know, previous clients work that they've done uh, and they should be proud to show and tell. Uh, and maybe you can maybe even speak to previous clients because, you know, there's there, there's been some horror stories of, of, of people spending good money on bathroom products and the execution piece has has really let it down so i would always suggest get a professional installer uh, who specializes in, in bathroom refits um, and you know and good plumbers that can you can rely on because they will need to survey the bathroom before they start and that will identify any other potential issues that you may come across you know simple things like you know clients will specify a new shower and maybe go for it you know a, a shower that needs pressure high pressure to give them that power shower performance but the on-site conditions might be that they have an old cylinder in in the in the in the uh, the hot press and, and a, a cold water tank in the attic which is effectively a gravity fed system so that won't provide enough pressure to actually allow the shower to perform uh, if you do then put in a pump onto the shower you may have to upgrade your cylinder because the hot water capacity may not be big enough for the family to to use a more powerful shower so there's loads of potential risks but with the right professional advice and preparation and doing a full survey it can really help mitigate against that so always really look for references from reputable uh, tradespeople, and there's lots and lots of them um, but it's really important that you, you get all of that lined up and then really be clear about the work that they're doing the cost that's involved and you know I would strongly advise it's a price for a job as opposed to a rate for a day because uh, things can overrun from a time perspective and costs can mount mm-hmm. and and also be ready to pay them when they're due their payment as well. Keep a good relationship. It's really important yeah. you do that. To be fair to, to any trade, you know, if they've to, if they've to procure materials on your behalf, you know, they need payment on time and agree a schedule in advance and stick to that. It's really really important. But yeah. w- would really would you really get a contract out of a plumber? Like you wouldn't. But even it's but just it's, if you hire yeah, a builder, but... then you can get a contract. 
Correct. Yeah. Like a plumber is only going to come in and do your plumbing, your first fix yeah. and your second fix. He's going to give you a quotation, which technically is a contract. Once you pay a deposit, you're signing up to the contract, you know. Um, but yeah, if it's a whole refurb, generally somebody's going to give you an itemized quote, dates on it, and they're going to get you to sign it and give you a deposit. You give them your deposit. Okay. Right? Yeah. And then you can set out everything. Everyone can set out what's expected of each other at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I would do that for every job, no matter what it is, because it's clear, it's simple, it's easy to understand. The client knows what's expected of them. You you know, the builders know what's expected of them. And it's it's just easy. So, Richard, in terms of finding a bathroom supplier, obviously, Sona is perfect. No one needs to check them, but... <laughs> Um, <laughs> just just in terms of like you know shopping around and stuff you'd be going to showrooms and all that is is it a question of looking for the warranties or what's what's the what would you think are, are the tips there in terms of choosing a supplier yeah well i suppose the client should probably consider their budget and i suppose there's different suppliers different brands that offer you know different things sonus i suppose we cater for the mass market um so as gwen mentioned earlier on you know the products range from entry level all the way up to to really high high mid market but there's a quality standard that we apply to all of the products irrespective of the price so to give clients reassurance you know all of the products that we sell have the necessary ce certification declaration of performance we provide full data sheets for the installer so all of that reassurance is there and from a warranty and after sales point of view all our warranties are clearly and explicitly stated in our retail brochure that the client will use to select the product and those warranties will vary from a minimum two years for something that might be considered a perishable item like a roller uh, or, or a hinge on a, on a, on a, a toilet seat all the way up to a lifetime guarantee. So it just depends on the product, uh, how how long lasting those warranties would be. But we have a fully qualified after sales service team in place. So we have four plumbers who work in our business, two work in-house and two work on the road as service engineers. So they fully support not just the client, but the installer as well. If there's any issues along the installation process, we support the retailer. So we, we take a fairly macro view around this whole process. There's a number of stakeholders uh, in, in the whole process and, and we're there to support each and every one of those. So the, the client is a really important uh, decision maker as to what product they want to pick. Um, but we, we won't just, you know, think of them. We, we think of the installer as well and you know they have a job to do. So if there's any problems along the way, we're there to support with spare parts and after sales to try and make it as seamless as possible. Right. Okay. And Gwen, just to go back on the plumbing element, um, in terms of moving, uh, let's say where you have your your toilet or your basin or whatever, or your shower or your bath, um, how difficult is that to do? Is that a kind of a major job or... I would always advise looking into it. You know, you'd be surprised how not difficult it is for some, uh, the ma quite a majority of bathrooms. Um, these, I presume you're talking about in refurbishment. Yeah, refurb, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you'd hope a self-builder will know yeah, <laughs> yeah. what they're doing, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, downstairs toilets are the most difficult um, because generally their way, the sewer pipes are cemented into the ground and trying to change them can be quite problematic. But you could do things like maybe build it out a little bit so the room gets a little bit smaller but all of a sudden you have a wall hung toilet in there you know but um, main bathrooms they're generally wooden floors um, and they can be moved sometimes it might involve a bit of boxing other times it's like what I did outside where they're going to fill a hole in the the back and move it around the side or vice versa um, but 
I know a client recently and they had um, the, the design laid out for the bathroom and then the, the builder came in and said they couldn't have it unless they had a little bit of boxing, which is about 500 mil wide by maybe 200 mil deep. And uh, they told them it was going to look horrendous and not to do it. So the clients didn't and they squashed their bath in between their shower and another wall. So now if they're sitting in their bath, their head is either against the shower or it's against the wall so it's not very comfortable and if the boxing had been done and tiled in it would have been minimal and would hardly have been noticed because the bath would have been able to be put at a 45 degree which was the way it was supposed to be and would have covered it so sometimes it's a little bit of oh if I have the boxing can I live with it first you know but I'm going to have all of this if I do so it can be a trade-off sometimes yeah yeah okay very good and is there any other tips advice we haven't covered that you wanted to mention um, I'd say downstairs lose, go mad, have fun. Um, you know, you could put loads of personality into them. You're only ever in them for a few minutes a day. Um, and it can be a really lovely place to uh, experiment with and, and do something a bit different. And then finally, I suppose lighting um, is always something really worth considering. So, you know, get nice, maybe IP rated spotlights that are tunable up and down the Kelvin scale. So you can have that kind of lovely candlelight, warm orange glow or you can have the brilliant wipe for shaving or putting your makeup on. And and how about the the infrared stuff where when you open the door the light comes on or stuff like that? Is that a bit is that something people do or is it one of those gimmicky things? <laughs> It is sometimes. It's sometimes they have them on um, uh, like movement sensors and other times they have them on uh, sensors. So if it's night time at a particular time, it comes on. And we've had one client who's put them under the Sonus wall hung vanity and it's actually little strips of LED and they come on in the evening. So it just gives a gentle glow for the kids if they're up in the middle of the night that they're not turning on lights and it's so inexpensive to run, you know. So it's probably horses for courses and it's nice sometimes as well to add spotlights into those little niches too um especially if they're over a bath and things like that it just gives them a nice little uh night light at night time mm. and and just yeah. Would, oh yeah go ahead sorry Astrid, i was yeah. going to say I, I i would say give yourself plenty of time you know in terms of research there's so much possible uh when it comes to bathrooms now so don't be kind of restricted by what you've already had in the past so you know we would always invite people to come to the showroom here and touch feel compare all the different product options and we've got some really helpful advisors in the showroom and they're really there just to guide you through the product selection process and we actively encourage people to try before they buy so you'll often come into our showroom and you'll see people sitting in the bath and there's a lot of laughing and joking going on but we, we genuinely encourage people to do that because baths come in all different shapes and sizes as do we so get in make sure it feels comfortable that it fits your needs and we'll have people standing inside the shower enclosures and waving their elbows left and right to make sure that it's of an optimum size so give yourself plenty of time to do the research and come to our showroom and engage with the product and touch and feel and really test it out uh, and you know I suppose be be brave and and be ambitious and and my advice you know when people are starting out with a specification go for everything that you want and then you can always cut back if it doesn't come in within your budget but don't limit yourself and start by looking at the individual component price for every item because you just get too confused start off with this is your vision this is your aspiration let's get it all down on paper and then we can tweak it and we can always you know kind of up, dial up the, the, the specification on one particular component that you really want to explore John and we can dial it back on others to, to reach an overall uh, price point for, for, for the project great stuff and, and just in terms of showrooms what's what's the covid um pr protocol now 
in, in the showroom? Yeah, so our showroom is open from Monday through to Saturday. We close at 1 p.m. on a Saturday. We do have a limitation of numbers. So when you arrive at the showroom, you'll be asked to sanitize. We will provide gloves and masks, and we limit the number of people in the showroom at any one time. It's quite a big space, so it's a 5,000-square-foot showroom, but we do limit the space. And our advisors are all, uh, you know, they have visors and they sit behind screens. Um, but at the same time, you know, we don't re require people to make an appointment, but we will limit access into the showroom if there's too many people there. So kind of Saturday sometimes can be a busy day. So you might find you're asked to, to wait in reception for a period of time. And then we encourage people to maybe make their way through the showroom at peak times in a, maybe a little bit more uh, quickly than they would normally have, you know, midweek mornings and stuff yeah. like that. And are kids allowed? Kids are allowed as long as they're supervised. So again, we, re we we request no more than two people from any one family. So if you need to come at a time and, and bring a child with you, yes, they are encouraged. If somebody has travelled a long distance and they have two children, of course we will let them in. But we don't encourage it, and uh, they do need to be kept under strict supervision. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and online consultations are still doing those because I remember when COVID oh, first hit, you had yeah. uh, kind of people in the showrooms um, doing online consultations. And, and that's still available. So again, the, the, the ideal scenario is that a client can come to the showroom and, and physically visit the space if they can't for whatever reason. And, and I suppose in response to COVID, we introduced the online consultation. So our advisors can spend time going through the, the, the product selection and design process uh, with the client uh, through Teams. Uh, and in some cases, we they might take that call from Teams onto the phone and they might actually go around the showroom and do live demonstrations and open and close the shower enclosure or you know point the phone into the inside the drawer of the unit so people can see what exactly it looks like so it's very uh just versatile in terms of how we've responded so we can support the client in, in many different yeah, and ways and that's probably by appointment i presume if you're the the online yeah, consultation would be facilitated with a with a pre-agreed yeah. time of yeah, course yeah, yeah absolutely great stuff was there anything else guys that we haven't covered or it's suppose my one thing is just to go back to that user experience and and to reiterate what Richard said about the freestanding bath. There was one client who had uh, wanted a freestanding bath and wanted stones all around it. And they had two little babies. And I asked why. And they thought it was gorgeous. It was going to look amazing. They'd seen it in a magazine. And I said, do you, you plan a bath in the babies? Yeah. Are you going to be on your knees on the stones? Yes. Yeah. They hadn't thought of it. You know, so really think, yeah, and obviously they didn't go with it then. But so really think how you use it, you know really really figure out how you use each space and like that in the bath you know are you going to be sitting back do you want to lie back go and try it and have a shower and one of my favorite bugbears is we get these lovely big showers and then um traditionally plumbers would always put the shower head on the shorter end of the shower so you then facing the shower to wash your hair are banging your elbows off the two narrower walls where if the shower is on the wider wall then you can stand there and wash your hair with the elbows on either side now it's a choice but being able to make that choice at first fix and tell the plumber what you want the plumber doesn't mind in the slightest but it can make a huge difference to your overall use of everything absolutely great stuff guys and richard was there anything else or i think we covered just the last word on that would be to just visit our website so www.sunnesbathrooms.com you can request a brochure we can set up a request for an online consultation you can see all of our products uh, and you can also find out where to buy as well nationwide so very good that would be my my, my suggestion <laughs> of course thanks a million guys really appreciate your time thank astra you. thank you thanks very Cheers. much
That's it for this Self Build Plus podcast episode. Tune in next time for more tips and advice from experts and self builders alike. And make sure to explore everything Self Build Plus has to offer. The Self Build Plus journey guides you through the process of building and home improving. The Self Build Plus forum allows you to share and learn from other self builders. While the Self Build Plus videos and our Self Build Plus virtual events are packed with information and advice. With self-build, stop dreaming, start building. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.